0: I'm sorry. Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Conquer the Gauntlet Pro and Strength and Speed owner, Evan Preparis. We've got a couple of guests on the line. Again, we got Brenna Calver. Brenna, welcome back. Thank you, thank you. And we have Daniel Leonard again. Daniel, what's up? Hey, how's it going? All right. Before we get to today's episode, we're going to be talking about Hannibal Race. A quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Mudgear. If you don't know who Mudgear is, I don't know what you've been doing in the OCR world because they're literally <laughs> everywhere. Right. And they've been a huge supporter of the industry involved in literally every aspect of the sport from Spartan race to the local, you know, single off races, love their socks. Great for racing. I know Daniel was rocking a pair this weekend in uh, Hannibal, uh, Hannibal race in Kuwait. I'm also doing a giveaway. We got a set of medium crew length, kind of the short gray and green mud gear socks through Folds of Honor Giveaway. So if you donate a dollar or more to the OCR America Folds of Honor Giveaway before Friday, uh, which this episode should come out before then, <laughs> you can, I would head over there now then and donate, and you'll be entered to win a pair of Mudgear socks. And you can get them for a dollar, which is pretty sweet. They also got a seat shield and some lifestyle tees, both of which I'm, I have a review coming out of Mud Run Guide. You can go over and check that out once that posts. Daniel is the cover model for the Seat Shield. Seat Shield. Sounds like I'm saying something else. I'm
1: (laughs) saying say that five times back.
0: (laughs) And the shirt, like the lifestyle tee, is like the softest T-shirt I own. It's so nice. I got the one with the – it's like the American flag, but there's people climbing up like the stripes of the American flag. So it's kind of like a cool mix of OCR, America, and mud gear. So kind of three things I'm, I'm all about I love. All right, let's get, I know you two love mud gear too. So I think we've heard <laughs> enough how great they are. So you can, you can plug them in later at some point during your uh, recap of the race. So let's just get to it. Hannibal race, Kuwait taken. You guys just got back a couple of days ago. So Daniel, since this is your first time going to the Middle East to race or first time going to the Middle East in general, I believe, you know, tell me about the experience <sighs>
2: Okay. Yeah, and yes, first time going to the Middle East on top of first time uh, racing in the Middle East, and uh, right off the bat, I have to say uh, they they work on a different clock than we do. Uh, uh, right, <laughs> right, right, right. From getting off the plane, I'm thinking it's going to be a little bit more calm. It's you know it's pretty late in the evening, and you would think it was uh, it was like seven o'clock in the afternoon, like. Uh, know rush hour as many as many people were out and about uh and driving around it was pretty it was pretty crazy that was pretty
0: pretty fun to see so uh, so what time did you land we got in like
2: was it 10 10 30
0: yeah yeah i think that's right middle of the week i think a lot of that's a holdover from the uh time without air conditioning and when it was in the summer when it's like preposterously hot during the day so they push a lot of things off to the hours when it's cooler so I think that's some of that's a holdover. over. Yeah, me. and that's what I was
2: thinking. Like after being there for a little while, I was thinking that uh, this is probably an adjustment for the temperature just because it's, it, it can get so hot, yeah.
0: Yeah, because in the summer, it feels like someone just opened an oven door and the air is hitting you in the face, like the hot oven air. But then like you step forward and you never step out of it. It's just just more hot air, always. <laughs> it's, it's, it's rough in the summer. If you're going to go, definitely, you know, winter, <laughs> Or uh, you know, late fall, early spring time. Keep going.
2: Yeah, and so uh uh and then I mean, you know, definitely uh an awesome kind of uh, uh service and, and trip planned out for us and and checking into the hotel which was uh absolutely awesome. I mean I can't thank uh uh Amin enough for that. I mean it was first class service the the entire way and uh uh getting into the hotel and then just trying to adjust the time frame or uh Uh, and then excited to get out and kind of check out the culture. I mean, we were sitting right there off of the, uh, uh, the, uh, 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 the Gulf right there off the, uh, the hotel and, uh, got to get into the water out there in the Gulf and swim around. So that was pretty sweet.
1: Almost Uh, chickened out. I mean,
2: (laughs) it was, it was a little cold. So I was a little hesitant to jump in right away, but, um, uh, I absolutely had to get it before we before we left it, uh, uh, left the country. So, um, and my God, the food layouts were amazing. I mean, I remember when I came back and I ordered the first meal uh, from returning, and I was thinking, I was like, it's like this is not what I'm used to. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Where's the presentation? Where's the flavors?" But um, uh, I mean, from the buffet. Uh, the bo- breakfast buffet was just—I mean, insane. Like you just from one side to the other is just—I mean, uh I think uh, your favorite was like the fresh honeycomb. Oh, I love uh, that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and at first I missed it, and then you know, Brenna sat down with it, and I was pointed it out to me. I was like, oh man, I got to go back and get that. And that seemed to be the whole thing. Kind of, oh wait a minute, I got to go back, go back and get that. And, you know. <laughs> me being a pastry lover there was an entire centerpiece table like 12 by 12 table that uh just surrounded with different pastries so uh that was just just awesome uh actually brought me back to my childhood with all the pastries that were there and uh um and then after you know kind of getting used to that they really have built the uh especially the city where we were at uh, have built really built it and catered that to like contractors and and visitors. I mean, like, uh, I don't think we've ran into one person the entire time that did not speak at least a little bit English. And then um, uh, even uh, everywhere you go, it's translated in English already for you. Uh, All the signage. I mean, uh, you'd have to take extra effort to, be confused and not know what you're doing or where you're going or what you're eating. So um, I mean I you wouldn't have thought that you left the entire country except for there's a whole other section of the you know if, if printed out in a different language. So um
0: it's, yeah, it, you can you can find sections of the city that are Arabic only, but you gotta you gotta dig for them. You gotta Yeah you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta go out, you gotta purposely go out of your way, which we definitely did um <laughs> when I was there for work. But the uh yeah the majority of I mean, if you're off, if you're by one of the main roads, which is basically crisscrosses the entire city, you'll, there'll be someone with English speaking ability there. And I think, you know, from my experience in Dubai, uh, which is in the same country, United Arab Emirates as Abu Dhabi, which we'll talk about a little bit later in this episode, uh, similar comparison there. All right, keep going.
2: Yeah, so, um, like like I said, we're running into people all the time uh, that, you know, even offering, you know, assistance with hey you know you're you're new here and hey, if you wanna you you know wanna go see sites you know just let us know text me it's you know it's Instagram actually there everything is Instagram <laughs> if you're not on Instagram over there you're not communicating that well. Um <laughs> and uh you know offering assistance on you know just sightseeing and and it's, it's it was kind of a, a bit of a shock to me how many of them actually not just visited the states but Actually lived there for sh- short periods of time or long periods of time. Um, uh, I think I ran across two or three different people uh, who spent uh, time in either L.A., um, uh, Florida, uh, Colorado. Um, it was just kind of across the map with people who had spent time in, and lived in the in the states. So, um, so the entire trip. I mean, like I said, you know, running into people speaking English who've been to been to the United States. Everyone is, is super friendly. Um, the driving definitely something to get used to. (laughs) There was, it was a bit chaotic, you know, um, uh, uh, they definitely don't mind or don't, don't really pay that much attention to the lanes. They, they kind of merge at will. Um, I'd say that was the only kind of a little bit more uh, sketchy part of the trip where you're like, okay, these guys, I mean, you could tell they're used to it, but, but for somebody new, just kind of sitting in the back, I was like, like okay, that was close.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, especially from, if you're from the Midwest, it, it's a very big adjustment. If you're from like New York, uh, Boston, like a major city on the East Coast, it's not not as much of an adjustment. But it is it's definitely, uh, definitely a step above um, New York and Boston as far as aggressiveness. And, uh, it was funny though, yes. Evan, because
1: Amin was driving us. Amin was driving us, and he said that he was like they drive crazy here. And I was like, I was like, what are you talking about? Lebanon was crazy." Lebanon's
0: worse. Lebanon's.
1: <laughs> and he said he was like he was like no no no.
0: <laughs> that's because that's because Amin's used to the Lebanese driving, so he knows what people are gonna do. I, I Lebanon from a he from thought, American he perspective.
2: Was pretty...
0: <laughs> yeah, from American perspective, Lebanon and Jordan are definitely worse than Kuwait. Um, yeah and probably united arab emirates i would say is not as bad as kuwait uh because united arab emirates has a lot of uh cameras uh to catch people breaking the laws so you're uh i think people obey the laws a little bit more there i didn't i didn't drive much there so maybe my perception's a little bit skewed all right anyway but um but yeah
2: so that that was the only part where you know every now and then they go like oh okay oh, okay but uh that was leading up to the event. And then from there, I mean, you know, we did around, we went kind of wandered around and, um, uh, uh, saw some of the, uh, the restaurants all through that area where we were staying. And then, then from there, uh, I then went out to the site uh, and kind of got to take a look at the, uh, the race setup, and, uh, and, uh, it was kind of amazing how much, how much they work they put in, especially just from the day before, um, to the day of, uh, it was it was a lot that they were put together pretty quickly too. So, um, the time change itself that was a bit of an adjustment uh, for me. Uh, I think for Brenna too. Um, uh, my biggest thing was uh, work did not completely comply with. You know, hey, I'm in another country, nine hours ahead. So yes, you're texting me your problems or calling me with your problems. That I'd like you. Know, at 3 pm is, is definitely making it uh, make an adjustment for me you know. <laughs> <laughs> at, at, at 1 and 2 a.m when I'm trying to make it you know, uh, trying to get to sleep so um, but other than that I mean it really was just a really really fun trip uh, the temperature was actually not uh, not bad at all I mean very similar except for the snow when we left I mean right before I left it was more similar but it snowed like the day before we le- the day after we left but uh, I think the highs were like 80. Um, and then the lows. I think it, in the evening it, it dropped down quite a bit, and uh, to I think like 55 degrees. And so, uh, temperature-wise, it, it really wasn't wasn't bad at all. So,
1: I do want to interject real quick because Evan, I couldn't remember on our first two trips. Like, didn't we have one day before and one day after the race?
0: Yeah, you're right. Kuwait, we definitely okay. had a day after because we went to the one of the giant malls, yeah. the avenues in Kuwait.
1: So I would say like. Based off doing it now where I've had one day before and then a day after, and this trip was like two days before, I feel like the time change was harder this trip because we had the two days of like adjustment and it was still so weird and off that like every day I was up until like 5 a.m. and then trying, I, I don't know, it was weird. So I feel like if you go, if you're like planning to do a race and you go over there, I would say travel as close to the race date as possible and get there and like not the time won't affect you as much the first day and then you can race and then do your stuff afterwards and kind of deal with the time change and like grogginess or whatever if you want because I felt like the first two trips I didn't have time to notice the adjustment before the race and like this time I felt just off weird (laughs) like more so because I had more time to be there before the race if that makes sense
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think that's good advice. I've heard from anecdotal stories. I've heard similar people say similar things. Where, if you're not going to time like properly time zone adjust, like give yourself if you're not going to spend like a week or two beforehand, then just show up as close to the race as possible. You know, take a couple naps and go for it, and then uh, worry about it afterwards. So, but yeah. Anyways,
1: go on, Daniel. Keep on explaining.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Be honest with you. I mean, in the construction there, I mean, I, it's crazy right now, but I think they're just doing a lot, you know, with, uh, uh, with building new roads and, and, and highways. So, um, uh, that added to some of the, uh, the driving woes that we ran into with uh, a couple missed turns here and there. Um, uh, but hey, it, it kind of added to seeing a little bit more of the country than we, <laughs> <laughs> than we originally planned. Um, the one funny part was just it's happened to be on race day as a uh, driver uh, you know we were telling it I, he puts handle race into google I guess um and he gave him a location and we started going and then uh I was right at the turnoff and I kind of looked and Brennan looked and I was like uh, I think that's the uh, that blimp that we're supposed to be driving by and we're uh, passing it. And, uh, yeah, and then the
1: military base that we passed had like a giant blimp this time. Yep,
0: and I know I know we, what you're talking about. It's always yeah,
1: there. We, oh, I don't remember last time, but we basically like instead of turning onto that highway to go past the military base and towards the race, we like stayed straight on the other highway <laughs> and uh, like race panic set in for both. I'm, I think I just told Daniel I was starting to feel calm. And then we realized we were, like, not going the right way. <laughs> it wasn't a huge deal because we, I mean, again. Uh, oh, just, it
2: was a huge deal. Brenna kind of lost her crap. <laughs>
1: <seat, so. laughs> but it's just, like, when people travel, just, I told, you know, like, Daniel and I are both, we talked about how, like, we're both really aware and pay attention. So, I mean, if you plan on going to, like, another country, I would hope you would plan to be aware of your surroundings to yeah. people. But, you know, like, people sound like this is scary, but it's not. Like, You just pay attention when you're traveling in foreign countries and all is well, really, honestly, like if you're half with it. So we realized we were going the wrong way and remedied it quickly.
0: (laughs) You'd have to drive really far. I mean, you'd have to drive for several hours to get out of Kuwait, essentially, which is you don't want to do. And then there'd be checkpoints, right? I mean, you would be like – it would – You'd have to be asleep for a long time not to notice that. So. <laughs> yeah, no, no.
2: The, we we, we were, uh, Brenda lost her crap because she's like, we're gonna miss our wave time. <laughs> <It> was <funny. laughs> and I was like, you know, calm down. You know, I mean, worst case scenario, you know, they'll hold the race for you. You you. <laughs> so, um, but you know, funny thing is, like, if you're trying to get anywhere, I mean, for the most part, the best, especially if you're you know just traveling there is drop pins didn't ever really think of that but that's a pro tip for you on traveling is do drop pins on where you're wanting to go especially if you're coming back to that same location uh because you know particularly like where we're, where we're going to race at and going to visit certain places not a physical address that we know offhand or kind of has itself in general so um uh, having drop pins on your map is definitely a pro tip so <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's a good one. I, I, I think the uh, Abu Dhabi Spartan World Championship is like out in the middle of um, – I haven't looked into it too much, but from some of the comments I saw, it sounded like it was out in the middle of nowhere. So that might be – that drop pin thing might be a good thing, although I'm pretty sure they have like buses or shuttles going out there or something, which I know Hannibal Race yeah. added for this year too. They had shuttles going out to the venue from certain locations. So if you were uncomfortable driving there, you could just take the shuttle there, which is cool.
2: Yeah, that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. That that's actually uh that would that make it a uh, heck of a lot easier so.
0: I mean uh
2: outside right. of that I mean just uh the food definitely enjoyed that so.
0: Yeah, I definitely when we went to Lebanon and Kuwait I definitely like I definitely gained several pounds cuz I was eating was eating like I was starving <laughs> cuz it was it was so good and it was like oh, all <laughs> you can eat and I was like I'll just, I'll just pack this on for later and I'll worry about it tomorrow. <laughs> so let's, let's get to the actual race. Um, Hannibal race, Kuwait. So second year, um, I'd say Brenna, give me some differences you noticed from last year and then Daniel afterwards run into kind of like the overall experience as someone seen it for the first time.
1: Yeah. Um, again, i flawless in my opinion for like an outsider, just a racer, not with my build, background mind going into it you know you they did a pocket pickup um, like the day before the race at a location in the city so everybody went and your packet for their race it's not a paper envelope you get an awesome cinch bag that's logoed with Hannibal um, marketing all over it you get a Hannibal buff you got your timing chip you got a jersey not just a shirt it's like a you know moisture wicking awesome logo jersey um, all prior to starting your race. So that's just really cool. And I mean, the first thing I was hoping that would change would be the first climb at the start line. Unfortunately, that was the exact same. So <laughs> yay for that. Um, but going into it, I mean, I just, I kept my eyes open to see like what has changed and what has evolved. Cause Evan, you and I realized like from the first time you took me to Lebanon to Kuwait to this time, like it changes every time. And it's awesome. Um, they added. There were new obstacles, so like they had their same signature obstacles that we were used to and that we've posted and done videos. You know, you've got your monkey bars and your walls and inverted wall and balance things. But um, I was excited to see that they added, there was an extra balance obstacle in there. So uh, last year there was like quintuple steps and then just kind of like a long raised balance beam. This time they had those, plus they did like a incline balance walk over a wall. And then down, so they were like um, belly of the beast from Conquer the Gauntlet, the entrance ramps, how you like walk up them and they've got kind of like the little wooden spots for footing. It was basically those up over like a five foot wall, four foot wall, and then down, Um, pretty cool. Again, I love balance, so that was nice. And they added like a tubes, culvert crawl that wasn't there um, on top of their other barbed wire crawl and like the dark, created tunnel crawl that they had last year, so an extra crawl added in. Um, They had the amazing downhill bombing down the soft sand part that I loved. And then in addition, not only did they have the ridiculously amazing glory hill, glory climb they called at the beginning, they added another stupid hill, (laughs) like, at the very end. It was, um, Evan, if you can remember back, like, right before you enter the gauntlet of obstacles at the finish... They had that whole gauntlet area, like, fenced off this year, which is really cool. Um, but right before that, they sent us, like, straight up the scramble. And it was about half the distance of the first initial climb. But I feel like it was steeper the whole way. I think we, like, Daniel and I started to, like, okay, let's go up. And then that we were on all fours pretty fast. <laughs> and they send you straight up. And it was super soft sand. And then you made this, like, sharp U-turn to a really downhill fun part so that was different but like painful at the very end um but I will say the biggest difference and I could not stress this enough but like I mean what are you gonna do last year when you and I ran Kuwait had had rain like more than normal plus the day of the race kind of like sprinkled and it was a bit cooler and overcast um not the case on Saturday (laughs) it was gorgeously beautiful clear skies and sunny and hot, like, from the start, 9 a.m., it was hot, but that also made for the fact that they didn't have rain this season, the sand, like, you and I thought we were running on sand, no, we were running on hard-packed sand for them, this year, it was, like, soft sugar sand the entire way, (laughs) and I died, I literally, I mean, from taking second place last year, I, my official results, I just looked today, I took 21st, but I will say, like, I started with intentions of competing. And, of course, you know, I got all in my head, as I usually do. I was really excited to see there was a lot more female competition this year than last year, which was <clears> awesome <throat> for the sport and the race series. We saw flags from, like, Romania, Italy. I saw Canada. It was awesome. And they were all in Spartan things. So, like, they'd been doing Spartans all over the Middle East and Europe. Um, fast, fast runners for the females and guys. But got up to the top of the hill, Somehow last year I ran it and was like the fifth person up the hill this year. I was like crawling and dying and (laughs) I got to the top and body and brain were shutting down. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to run. And I'm already in like 10th place, whatever. I knew that if I continued to run, I was going to be kind of frustrated and mad at myself just because personally, that's how, what happens. And I turned around and thank God, I saw Daniel like in the near distance coming up the hill. And I just started saying my blessings because if I didn't see him, I was going to have to just run, and I was going to be annoyed. But I saw him, and I was like, okay, I'm going to wait for Daniel. <laughs> we're going to run this together. <laughs> so we did. And there wasn't a whole lot of running in the beginning, because we were both gassed after that hill. But, um, the, I mean, the hardest change in whatever was the terrain itself. Um, and then from where we went last year, they actually, like, when you went up the top of the mountain, there was construction over to the left this time. Um, I don't know what they were constructing or doing, digging, like excavating and all sorts of stuff. So the route was different this year too, which was cool. Um, I got to see different things. I think we missed the toilet out in the desert. I was kind of bummed,
2: oh, <laughs> but, <boo. laughs> yeah,
1: but, um, I saw my camels off in the distance that I'd been like dying to see out in the desert and we saw sheep and yeah, so it was a new, new terrain fields of the weather and then new course, um, some new obstacles thrown in there they had the gauntlet of obstacles set up the same where they like basically crush you at the end, which is awesome. Like all the obstacles were placed really well on the course and then you get to the finish and there was like, um, one, two, three, like six, seven obstacles, I think right there. I'd have to like do them off my head real fast, but really cool. Uh, they changed up their rope climb this year too. So I mean, things were changing and different and all the same and badass at the same time. So, um, Daniel might have, more of the details like I don't know the whole race experience I don't want to take all of his notes but volunteers photographers everything he can go into detail on those parts too but legit awesome experience like a, all around the race series between obstacles placement course staff people yeah I, I loved it again and I've already they posted today that it'll be back next year so I'm already like all right see you next year so
0: all right Daniel what do you got uh
2: so just right off the bat um one of the best festival areas i've ever seen put together for or any race um you know there are a couple uh, race series out there that do really good uh festival areas uh this is this is up there with one of the best that i've ever seen um and just kind of got the experience i actually kind of what i normally don't do is just really sit back and stand and watch um a good portion of it and just kind of uh take in how everyone uh, is reacting to it and um uh, such a vibe and you know I, it reminds me a lot of uh just kind of a lot of new people coming to the to ocr but except for kind of being real not you know laid back or shy or kind of apprehensive about kind of getting into the mix I mean they, they all just it's really kind of like a party right there in the uh, festival area so. um, and like you had mentioned before like they actually lay down this turf which uh, turns out to be like one of the best moves ever for a festival area not to you know <laughs> go to different areas and I mean and depending on what the weather's like uh, it, could, it could be just a mud slop fest. I mean, and you're, you have all this turf laid out, which makes it just awesome for this kind of, you know, wandering around and mingling and talking and dancing, whatever the case may be. So uh, that's pretty awesome. Um, like Brenna said, Kicks off with uh, I actually named uh, how I called all the obstacles. I kind of listed them out. I think I have either one of them. I call that first one "Hill to Heaven" just because it starts <laughs> off, so <laughs> it feels like you're climbing that long. Um, and uh, and yes, to- I totally redlined going up that hill, uh, and uh, turned out to be like the slowest first mile of an obstacle race I've ever had, <laughs> ever. <laughs> and probably double it too, just because you get it to the top, and it's just, I mean, absolutely smoked. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, obstacle spacing. Uh, I think it was, uh, I had it roughly at about, probably like uh, just past uh, a quarter of a mile. Uh, they had an, an obstacle placed. Uh, and then uh, uh, the big gauntlet at the end, and uh, there, was, there was eight obstacles that were at the end of the gauntlet. And what was really, really cool is, if you want to call it the gauntlet of obstacles, or just uh, I actually kind of said they were the um, the most exciting obstacles that 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 were out there, uh, all put into the festival area. So uh, it just made the festival area that much more really like um, much more of a party and kind of just amping, you know, helping, uh, encouraging runners and everything, getting through those obstacles.
1: And fun um, for the spectators to watch. Good. Stuff. Yeah, it just
2: makes it easier for the spectators. And
1: more, more, more
2: fun for the spectators. Um, uh, and then every single obstacle, not a few, not most, every single obstacle had a volunteer or two. Okay. <laughs> and some, and sometimes, you know, like there was what the the last hill. You know, you know. And they were all cheering nicely, except for. <laughs> All very encouraging, except for that one at the hill. You're like, yeah, go, go. You're like, yeah, leave me alone. Shut up. The guy was like, faster,
1: faster. And everybody's like, "Ah!" yeah.
2: And then, uh, again, the most photographers I've ever seen at a race. Uh, uh, I think I saw more photographers in the festival area than I've seen in any other race the entire course. Um, uh, uh, I I think it was like 10 photographers in the festival area alone, let alone some more scattered around through the, uh, uh, through the race itself as
1: well. Um, uh, I add, add to his obstacle comment. Daniel did say this was out of his mouth that he felt like it was probably the best spaced obstacles like that he's ever encountered in a course and the water station. So like, best placement of obstacles, water stations, they gave you a water bottle. And like, if you wanted it, it would last to the next water station. So like, that's what he said. And that's pretty awesome from someone that runs all the series that Daniel does too.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, with the obstacle spacing, I, you know, you'll see it sometimes. I mean, you know, I get the whole uh, first mile and a half sometimes stretch to, uh, to thin out the the course. The hill does that by itself. So it doesn't even matter. (laughs) And then uh, from then on out, I mean, you have uh, uh, you know obstacles spaced out with, with one um, or two that were decently close, but uh, at you're you're going at least uh, about a quarter of a mile before you hit the next obstacle, which makes it a really really smooth runner's course. I don't know how you know real runners are affected by the sand, <laughs> which it can switch from it switch from really soft sand to really kind of hard. I don't call it sand because it wasn't. It didn't feel like it. It was, it was <laughs> I would be a hard rock. Um, and then it was so cool. Like the uh, you know, the downhill bombs were definitely awesome. But like we turned one corner and you're going around this big, huge ravine. Is just like oh like, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I love just, that part. But,
1: it was actually different though, different ravine a different than different the one
2: from last year. Yeah, nice. I don't know. That was my first one. So when I <laughs> turned the corner, I kind of looked to the side. I was like. Oh, that's so, so sweet. Just kind of just, I mean, I almost started to pause and kind of look, I was like, hold on, keep going. <laughs> but uh, but just kind of running around that that the ravine was so, so cool. And then, but then uh, it
1: opened up, and like, what do you see past the ravine?
2: <laughs> um, hills? <laughs>
1: no, you could see the, the sea. So like, we're running in the desert, oh. and it's soft sand, and then there's this like crazy ravine canyon, and we're like, ooh, that's pretty, that's cool. And then you look up, and you're like, holy crap, that's water, like, that's the sea, like, this is, who gets to say desert and sea at the same time on a race, like, come on.
2: Yeah, that was pretty cool, I mean, and, I mean, but the downhill sand running, uh, I'm not sure if it gets any more fun than that, because even if you eat it, it's not gonna hurt, so, <laughs> um, uh, definitely bombing down the hill was pretty, pretty, pretty fun, so, um, uh, I think that was kind of all I had for as far as the race goes, I mean, but, um, organizers so personable the entire race uh i mean th- through the entire event i mean can't say enough about um amin and and, and heba and how they're uh, they're just going around the festival area talking to people hugging people uh, even like you know being and this may be you know some of the like online stories but like you know you hear some of the personal stories that that's going on with some of the uh, some of the people that are there i mean uh, brenner got to i can't i don't remember if she saw the person or if I had to point her out point him out, but they had a blind runner that went through the course and uh there was an awesome moment at like the huge they call it the edge edge wall or just edge i think um, but it's basically a a huge uh uh steep slope wall with ropes. Like the people that were with him were calling out like um, the obstacles, and like he just threw his you know his uh, walking cane uh, off to the side, and then just started crushing the obstacle. That was so so cool to see. Um, uh, yeah, swag bag is definitely really uh, really cool. I mean, you don't get half the things that, that they they put out uh, as part of the registration um, that you get with that swag bag, and just how they throw in a little bit of the culture during the race I mean it's just like you'll you'll kind of uh uh see like a, a gathering getting together and some chanting and then uh a bunch of pictures being taken I mean it was just a really really positive cool uh vibe that was that was going on the entire event so um yeah the smiles the and yeah yeah medals
1: are awesome and uh, they're like but- double-sided I don't remember if last year's were but like there's stuff on both sides, which is pretty cool, and cutouts, so, I mean, the metals evolve, and the ribbon, the lanyard for the metal has, like, the flag on it, and the logo, so, I mean, it doesn't have parts that look like they tried to cut back or skimp, like, they just 100% take care of the entire feel of it. I mean, they do, like, a warm-up not in the start corral. They don't make you take a knee and like hoo ha in the start corral. <laughs> but they do like on the stage, they have personal trainers there set up as part of their vendors. And a personal trainer gets up and does like leads start waves and different warm ups and stuff. And they did um, like a chant, like Leonard was saying, but it was like a Samoan, different ethnicity, really cool chant in the beginning and just gets everybody's attention. It's like a, everybody got silent.
2: That, that was New Zealand.
1: Haka. Oh, really? Did you get that or you guessed?
2: No, it was, in, it was. He was from New Zealand. It was. It's in New Zealand. Can't remember the name, but the I hockey? met another. Is yeah, that? the hockey. Yeah. And uh, he was—I uh, actually met another runner from New Zealand that was there, and uh, um, he actually knew the guy. And they had done some—you know—he didn't know that particular one because he said he was—he would have jumped on stage and did it with him, uh, <laughs> but he didn't—he didn't know that particular one. He, he said it was—it's its pretty bold to take on one of those you know, just by yourself up there. But uh, I mean, he went after, it and it was pretty pretty awesome. So
1: they have a—I don't remember um, if last year, Evan, correct me if I'm wrong. I know we had coffee that we loved because we walked out with it, but um, they had a really awesome, it was a seal of taste, I think was the company, um, food vendor there that, you know, they like, you walked up, took the order, I had a menu, it wasn't just like two items, I mean, there was a sandwich and a wrap and a salad and fries and soda, so like they took care of you food-wise, again, vendors, so like uh, Daniel said, the festival area, it's got everything and more than what we're used to, I feel like. Uh, the stage had, like, the results. You know, you didn't have to go find a results tent. It just had this enormous screen on the back of the stage that the results were running all day long. That's um, awesome. At the start line. Yeah, at the start line, you know, Amin was always asking, where are you from? What nationality? And then, again, on the on the screen, you could see it had the flags of nations. And it's just like, there's people from everywhere here. It's so cool. It's just like, it, I mean, I... Yeah, I love it. Yeah,
2: that, <laughs> that that was one of my things I had down was like like I actually met a lot more foreigners there than I actually expected to. I mean, I expected <laughs> to meet a couple but but as many as that were there. I mean, it was a uh, I mean, uh, rough rough guess I would put it at maybe like 20% were or were, were foreigners not from Kuwait. Uh, it was that was really cool to see. I mean, and 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 sometimes you wouldn't even know cuz probably 60% of the people that were there spoke really good English. So <laughs> it was, it'd be kind of hard to uh, – I mean, it's easy to kind of mingle and get to know people, but uh, it'd be hard to uh, be able to tell, you know, uh, who's from where. So,
0: Yeah, I mean, Hannibal Race in the Middle East is the only non-Spartan race that's an OCRWC qualifier. So if people in that area are looking to qualify, they have to go to – I mean, you'd have to come to Spartan Race. So that's – I mean, Spartan Race or Hannibal Race if you're trying to qualify for OCRWC. And if people want to go look at the results, again, you'll see the number of different flags there and how much of an international crowd they brought. Not surprisingly, it sounds like Amin and Heba brought another spectacular event. Which, if you've known them for as long as Brenna and I have, you're not even surprised. Like last year, I thought it was great. Like I didn't really have any like comments for them for for improvements, and they still managed to make a bunch of improvements that I hadn't thought of or Brenna didn't think of. And, not surprised did a great job
1: Evan. to the point of saying you know the quality of event that um hiba and amin put on we know what they're capable of but i the biggest shout out to the entire hannibal team because this year they were not using like an extra third-party build crew um this year it was just like the backbone of hannibal crew so i would say like half the size of workers and people um so me coming from like the build background and knowing the stress and what that can do like to a crew in an event you racers wouldn't know. So like the amazing race company crew to be able to do that, to like cut your crew and put on the same quality event. Fantastic. And you were saying like, I, you know, again, we go into it, you and I Evan because we're brought there to help promote and, you know, bring our knowledge and try to bring others to the race. Um, so like you said, trying to find something to critique and be like, hey, next time, maybe try this, like, I, I couldn't find anything to think of to be like, oh, that could have been better, but there's one funny thing, I'm, I don't think it needs to be better, because maybe my height, but it also just makes you, like, adapt to an obstacle a different way, I know everybody freaks out with short people not having a step, <laughs> so, like, their zigzag rig, and it was the same as last year, there wasn't a step, but, like, not scaring short people away, it's made out of metal trussing, so, like, people you you could climb up the trussing and since it's a zigzag anyways it kind of works that you pushed off and it like sent you in the right direction but um it was funny to watch Daniel watch like I was watching him watch the ring because like his reaction I think was our first reaction of just seeing like what people will do (laughs) to try to zigzag their motion was pretty entertaining. (laughs) So, like, if there was a a critique and maybe say a step for like all the short people that in the US just kind of whine and complain instead of just getting better and adapting, (laughs) sorry for the harshness. But it was interesting to see them push off the trussing and like that volunteer. It was funny. It was so cute because again, everybody was yelling things and all the volunteers were cheering in English and yelling in English. And I said thank you and they acknowledged it. But like the one at the rig kept yelling, use your biceps. (laughs) And Daniel and I were laughing, like, um, I don't know if that's going to help everybody. <laughs> I, is, it's for entertainment.
0: <laughs> all right. Now I want to, before we get to some Spartan race news about Abu Dhabi, I know the end of your trip, Brenna, was memorable for you. So I want to touch on that because I heard you had a special gift waiting for you back at the hotel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> luckily I've already a little Tracy, so I don't get in trouble now. Um, <laughs> I mean, who knew? Like I'm red right now, guys. I have, I don't know, this, this trip for me was more than the physical aspect of going to a race and being the first race of the season. Like I needed this trip mentally for a reset for just crap that I've had going on. So to, like hear stories from people we met like I meet someone and like oh I met you in Lebanon part of the crew and I was like oh crap sorry but like, no, no no you meet lots of people it's fine but like the stories some of the people were telling like we were at dinner and they're trying to tell others how they met me and they're things that I didn't even realize people see so like I just always stay true to myself and be who I am and hope that comes across in the best way and some of the stories that were shared my heart like melted on things testimonials people were saying that they witnessed of me and then we get back to the hotel <laughs> And apparently, I have fans and admirers all around that I was unaware of. <laughs> and so we were, like, getting our um, shuttle to the airport set up. I mean, it was midnight or 1 a.m. And um, the guy at the desk is like, you have something here for you. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I had gotten a message during the race from a Facebook friend. And I realized they started messaging saying, hey, can, can I come meet you? I'm dying to say hi. I want to get a selfie and I was confused. I thought they were from the hotel. I don't, I was just miscommunication and language barrier slightly through piping. But I had a previous message thread with this person. So I was like, yeah, I'll be back at the hotel later. Uh, We can meet up, come in the lobby for coffee or something, blah, blah, blah. Then we went and left dinner and the guy was like, well, I'm going to swing by the hotel and drop something off for you. Well, I'm reading the message and he had reached out to me last year around the Hannibal, India race that was going to take place, and we get back to the hotel. And the mean like I have a bouquet of flowers, not like the tiniest thing. It was roses and carnations <laughs> wrapped in bright red paper. Red roses, they're all you know red beast themed flowers, and a bag like a gift bag. That's and I'm amazing. like, if if I wasn't sunburned, I would have been bright red. And Amin and Saffatullah and Daniel are like laughing at me. <laughs> They we were just teasing someone else. And um, I open it. Like, so it means like, who is, what is that? Why, how are you getting gifts here? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, who is this? So it happened to be one of the organizers that was trying to help get Hannibal Race to India when all that happened. Um, and he just wasn't a an And so I had a note that was like, this is a fan moment, Red Beast. I hope we get to meet. Um, and then I opened it up and there are these two just gorgeous looking, very like silky, uh, short sleeve polo jerseys. And it means like, oh, he has a cricket team. So those are his cricket jerseys. I was like, how cool, you know, the the country outline with the flag. And um, what else was it? Oh, it was, there was some uh, Kuwait, what's the money uh, currency called?
0: Dinars, I think. Um, Kuwaiti dinars.
1: Yeah. So there was like a little bit of money in there, not in like an offensive way, but it was like a, like a souvenir. So yeah, it's I now got some, have,
0: some pictures of like the local culture on there. It's not, they're nice.
1: Yeah. So I was excited because I didn't like tr- uh, switch any of my currency. So I had that as a souvenir and it was just like, it was the sweetest nicest thing for someone that had never met me from a complete different country. They, like took time out of their way to go do that and just show appreciation and what following my story and journey. But then the extra cool part was I took a picture and I sent it to him and I was like, Thank you, thank you. There's two jerseys because I noticed one smaller and it's for my niece that trains with me and that I love and adore and take medals to. Well, obviously People follow me enough, they know that. So, like, he gave me a jersey and my niece a jersey, and it was just the sweetest thing.
0: (laughs) That's super sweet. That's awesome. (laughs) Love it. All right. So, Hannibal Race is crushing it. I know they've got some big things planned for the future. I'm not sure if we can share any of that publicly yet because I know, like, some stuff hasn't been finalized, but definitely keep following them. They're looking to expand to other countries, and then they're also working on some backside stuff for a huge announcement. Which I, I can't share yet because I don't know if it's going to happen or not. But, <laughs> And I haven't even told Daniel of running it, but and it's it's awesome. And I, like, oh man, I'm so excited. I hope this one happens. So just keep following Hannibal Race. Well, and
1: before we switch, yeah. Well, before we switch to Spartan, just like for everybody listening, again, I know people that have traveled to Australia and Europe and wherever, Sweden, Alaska, Hawaii for races. I looked in, like, flights are not astronomical here. I mean, the hardest part might be that it's a longer trip. Okay, I get it. But if you do racecations, put this on your list. When would you ever imagine going to the Middle East to an awesome country where you feel comfortable, you feel welcome, it's not that expensive, food's amazing, the culture is amazing, and the race is awesome. So, if you travel for races, do it. And I've already got other teammates that are like, I'm coming next year, and I'm going to hold them to it. So... (laughs)
0: It's awesome. So the the big news we usually don't cover too much Spartan stuff because I think it's covered by pretty much every other OCR media channel. So I purposely steer away from stuff so people who are listening and reading don't get the same content over and over again. But I think this one crosses directly into this podcast episode of what we're talking about. So Spartan Race announced their world championship for 2020 is going to be in Abu Dhabi. Uh, if you don't know, Abu Dhabi is in United Arab Emirates. Uh, it's a country in the Middle East, and um, most people know Abu Dhabi, or most people know United Arab Emirates because that's where Dubai is, which is the, one of the nicest cities in the Middle East period, right? Like, it's over the top in pretty much everything. It's got the Burj Khalifa, tallest building in the world. If you've seen that Mission Impossible movie, Tom Cruise, like, rappels down the side of it or something in the middle of a sandstorm, something ridiculous, right? Um, it's a preposterously tall building. It's like 200 plus stories, though. Uh, it's insane. Yeah, like, just everything's ridiculous there. Indoor ski mountain they have. Um, They have an ice bar, but again, alcohol is illegal, except at hotels. So you can drink alcohol inside of hotels because they they acknowledge they have visitors from other countries that may want to drink alcohol. So you can drink in essentially resorts and in hotels at uh, United Arab Emirates, but you can't drink on the street or buy it at a local store type stuff. So Spartan announced there's going to be – that's where the championship is. Not surprisingly – the social media world exploded um with uh, daniel or Brenda, did you look through any of the comments people were making i i,
1: I did yeah. yeah i followed it for like a week and i kept smacking my head every time sorry it just <laughs> some of the comments were out there and ignorant <laughs> to put yeah <laughs>
0: the the first thing that honestly upset me was the number of people who were like this is not convenient for me and i was like well it wasn't convenient <laughs> for the other half of the world for like eight years, when it was in, you know, it was oh, for like in Killington, Killington, for a couple of years, and then it was in Tahoe for the like, I can't even remember how long. The last six, seven years, it's been there forever. Five, has it been a five? Whatever, it, it's been a long time. Okay. Yeah, but the number of people who were like, "This is not convenient for me. How am I supposed to get there? What am I gonna do?" And it was like, "It's the world championship. Like, I don't, I don't even understand what you're upset about. You, you know, they're trying to spread the sport throughout the world, and, and I, I if anyone's going to be critical of the sport, it's me. <laughs> and I was like, "Good, this is a good move." I think I think this is great for um, kind of the sport and the industry as a whole. Give me some additional thoughts, Brenner or Daniel.
2: Yeah, I thought it was just. I mean, you know, those comments with the whole convenience part of it were. Where I mean, how I mean, how how inconvenient was it to to travel to England? I mean, and uh, but like the. Uh, uh, world OCR world championships there and then other events that have got you know Sweden that the uh Spartan does world championships over there I mean Iceland um, yeah Iceland yeah not Sweden sorry um
0: Australia <laughs> Australia for Enduro, <laughs> yeah, right
2: then, then, yeah, yeah yeah so I mean like uh how did it become so inconvenient for this one not to mention again it's been it's been you know in Tahoe for how many years and people are other people are making the trip you know across you know uh one pond or the other and and don't don't ever complain about it and then you know (laughs) one year it gets moved away and and you know everybody loses their their crap about you know uh, how inconvenient it is and you have a whole you know season to prepare for that trip uh i mean yeah i just i I don't
1: and it wasn't everybody unfortunately i hate to say it but it was mainly Americans, North American people. And it was just like, guys, it's called a world championship for a reason. I think people complained every other year that it wasn't leaving, like changing locations. And then of course change happens. And it just, it looked bad in my opinion on a lot of people that were commenting. And I get it, like where we were in Lebanon and where we were in Kuwait, culturally is a little bit different and maybe more westernized or accepting of certain things. And maybe when you go there, like, yes, you might have to adapt to some cultural things and cover up a little bit more or something, but it's just like, why is that a problem? And just behave like normal, decent human beings. And when you travel, all should be well. And if you're doing something wrong, you'll be told politely, unless you're being a jackass, then that's just your own fault. And everybody making comments about being scared and, why would you go to a country that's unsafe and on the banned travel list? It's like, hello, I think, Evan, you said that. Like, Paris was on the don't travel to list recently. Like,
0: Yeah, Paris was on the State Department. I don't know if it still is. It was a couple of – in 2017, it was on the State Department uh, advisory travel list.
1: And we just made more and more of those comments while we were in Kuwait. Like, again, everybody there, there was, um, we we're eating dinner in, in this little like strip mall, you would say area. There's like a little kids festival going on and the lady, it's got baby shark playing and they're doing like follow the leader. Simon says stuff. The lady is speaking in English the entire time to five-year-old kids. So it's, the kids there are raised learning English. So it's just like, again, Spartan going to Abu Dhabi. Yes, it might be a bit different or more strict Um, everybody's like, oh, guys and girls can't stay together, and blah, 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 people, there are resorts and hotels, like Evan said, that, you know, they allow alcohol, because it is a big tourist attraction, especially kind of where Spartan's going, like, the race might be in the middle of nowhere, but they'll get you there, don't worry, they'll get you there safely, and then you'll still have fun in another country, so it's just kind of like, I just want to smack people, but I'm excited. I mean,
2: to Brenner's point, if you're really worried about safety, uh, I can name several, several <laughs> more uh, dangerous places right within our own borders. So I think that's just, just stupid. And then to the point of or wanting to the sport to grow and you know and some people even want it to become you know even bigger in like olympic sports well guess what that only happens if the world buys in and starts to really you know participate as a whole and if we're trying to or have issue with uh with anything leaving the uh the um, the continental states i mean it's it's going to be it's never going to get there
0: so And honestly, if you have a culture that doesn't like a particular way of life or a particular way people act, like if you don't if you never interact with those people, it's never gonna change their opinion, right? Because like if you always think a certain group of people is a certain way and you never meet one of them, then guess what? You'll never you'll never change your opinion. Right. So part of that's building bridges. Exactly. And I think sport helps build that bridge. And whether even if you move the championship anywhere else, you know, like I don't think a certain country's athletes should have to get hurt because their country's policies may not be aligned with your personal or political views right like i could i could you could easily argue right like tahoe is in california which is one of the farest left-leaning states in the nation i you could i could make the same argument that conservatives shouldn't go to um tahoe because it's it's very left-leaning <laughs> Right? like I mean, we can get ridiculous on this. Um, Well,
1: Evan and I, you both say like we're not, you especially and me are not known for like promoting or saying, yay, Spartan. But this is one Spartan event that I am kind of like, crap, I need to get to a Spartan race so I can somehow get there. (laughs) You know, like I'm,
0: I would love to go. If they didn't change their qualifications for pro, maybe I would go. Maybe I'll still go. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what that um. I I haven't I haven't really planned out my year too well because uh, Tough Mudder's been unknown status for so long, but it looks looks like suppose, supposedly Spartan's gonna buy them and it's, they're gonna start races up again around August. So we'll see what that looks like. But I've basically just gone ahead and started planning my season without them.
1: Yeah, we're all there for the same thing. Once you know, like at the race, like that's why everybody's there.
0: If you're gonna travel the world, you're gonna have to adapt to other cultures, right? Like. I mean, there are certain things you do in your own house that you wouldn't do in someone else's house. It's the same thing on a larger scale in a country. right? Like there's there's certain ways you act that you don't act in other countries. Um, so when I went on my honeymoon, me and my wife spent some time in England, and then I actually had a friend living in Dubai, so we went to Dubai for a couple of days because we had a free place to stay. Um, so I'm on my honeymoon with my wife, and it is not – I don't know if it's illegal. I don't think it is. It's not the cultural norm for people to hold hands. But I, I had just married my wife. And when we were in Dubai, we didn't hold hands because that's not—it wasn't the norm—and we adjusted, right? Like it's just a couple of days; you'll be all right. So um, I think people are overreacting. <laughs> I saw a lot of very ethnocentric comments that show people were really showing their their ass because they don't understand the difference between Middle Eastern countries. You know, it's like me again giving the American conspir- comparison. It's being—it's like being like, well, I'm not going to New York. Everyone there is a you know or a slave owner, you know, making like Southern comments about the North. And it's like, do you have any idea what the United States looks like? It'd be like that. Um, Cause it, when you read through some of those comments on Facebook, which is kind of upsetting to say,
2: but it re- it really is. And uh, um, the funny thing and the irony of, of all that is that so many other countries have, have acquiesced or, or, or made changes or adjusted their own culture to Actually, either you can call it kind of Americanize, or or just make Americans or, or foreigners in general more comfortable in their own countries, and then people are so ignorant to to that fact alone as well. So
0: I think the people who go to uh, Abu Dhabi this year, Spartan World Championship are going to absolutely love it. To be honest with you, I think it's going to be oh, I think it's going to be an epic event. Um, and like Brenda was oh, saying, absolutely, I'd, I'd actually that's like one of the few Spartan races I'd be like, yeah, I'm I'm interested in doing that. <laughs> I think I might have another international trip planned for myself though. So I might, I might push Spartan race off a year.
1: Well, I already saw pictures of someone else. I think it was maybe correct me if I'm wrong. You might've seen it. Andy Hardy, who's a big Spartan um, promoter and does their workout events was over there. Like right after the announcement, posting pictures and it looks gorgeous and awesome. And heck yeah. New terrain. Love it. Looks cool.
0: Yeah. And I I think that'll be interesting too, because it's going to bring people out on sand, uh, which Brenna and Daniel, you had to experience and that'll really change up, some people who are not comfortable running in a different environment will have trouble, I think. So, you know, maybe if you live near a beach. And there I are some, hills,
1: so a lot of Yeah,
0: I would do some sand runs to get used to that, to get your little and stabilizer muscles. I think
1: everybody, again, ignorance, people are like, it's so, it's flat in the desert. I'm like, uh, not quite, not all the way.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you go up a couple of steep sand dunes, you'll as you two experience, you'll change your mind real quick. Just because yeah, the, That's
2: funny, I came from the chiropractor. I came from the chiropractor today, and they're like, "Like you're really tight in your hips. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, what were you doing? I was running in the sand and up hills, and they're like, oh, yeah, that'll do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, just because the elevation profile doesn't look like Tahoe or um, Killington doesn't mean the effect of running up a sand slope will, will be definitely different and painful on your muscles than just pure elevation with hard pack dirt. Get ready for that.
1: I definitely call a whole new like top 10 I think depending on who actually travels and then oh yeah who can adapt in that type of terrain so it'll be exciting all around for a whole new experience
0: I'm I'm actually most excited to watch the Spartan World Championship this year than I have any other year cuz like exactly what you said travel and terrain and variance and then you're going to you're going to since it's east you know eastern hemisphere you're going to get a whole new pool of athletes theoretically of some people who may not have been willing to travel. So it could be a complete shakeup. I'm curious. should be great. All right, let's start wrapping things up because we've been talking for a while. Three people on the podcast, tell us one thing people would be surprised to know about you. Daniel, I prepped you at the beginning of the episode, so you've had 45 minutes or so, probably close to an hour to think about it. So what do you got for me? <laughs>
2: okay 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 this is work related so uh not as good as the other one but uh it, it it was always entertaining to me i i started contracting work about 15 years ago uh we did contracting work for nursing homes hospitals living care centers. so uh we did dabbled as my first i think it was first three three or four years they're like um mostly dealt with 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 contracted service in like housekeeping and, and laundry services and so uh, about my uh, end of my fourth year I think it was um, like uh, my boss calls me up and says, hey we're adding three new accounts to your uh, to your portfolio and uh by the way, they're going to include the maintenance department, so uh, you'll have maintenance and in hospitals that have to do. It's going to be really simple. Have this online program you're going to be following, and I remember it's like, okay, you know, like make sure that you know I'm lined out. You know, I don't want to go in not knowing what I need to do. You know, be lost in in taking over these new accounts. And so uh, I remember my very first day, I show up, I meet with the CEO, and he's like he said so do you know what you're doing and you know of course like I'm selling the company I'm working for so like oh yeah absolutely you know very experienced no you know got this and I have this and he's like you know and I was like they've prepped me in this this program you know I talked about the program a little bit and he looks me dead in the face and he says uh yeah anybody can do that I could teach a monkey to follow those and I was like oh oh okay (laughs) so uh this goes on for probably about six months of me just lying through my teeth on what, we are able, what I'm able to do. Yeah. And so he, he, he calls my, my supervisor up who sends his supervisor up. So now we're like, like the VP of my company is meeting with this guy. He, uh, he talks to me for like 10, 15 minutes before we go into the meeting with the CEO. You know, he's like, show me what you're doing. I kind of go, in. he's like, yeah, I don't really know this much, much about this. You know, this isn't really my wheelhouse. I was like, okay, well, I've, you know, I've been telling this guy, you know, this and, you know, that we're, we're pretty experienced. We know what we're doing. He walks into the meeting, sits down, and the first thing comes out of his mouth is, yeah, we don't know anything that we're doing um daniel's totally confused on this and <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and i'm sitting right next to him and i kind of looked and i was like i've been lying to this guy for like six months and you outed me in the first two minutes <laughs> needless to say though like uh, the ceo was i mean he was a, he was a ball buster through everything it in the kitchen sink at me and the and the team that I was leading at the time, he resigns and goes takes a job somewhere else. He calls me into his office. He hands me two envelopes, and I was like, uh, "Okay, you know, I, is this a pink slip? You need to get the hell out of here." I open it up. I start reading, and I was like, "It's like, you know, Daniel, I hated the company that he worked for when he became. They brought him on against my wishes. I I was." Uh, totally against this you know they did not they didn't have the background to handle the job and so that went on like that was the beginning of the letter and then it went on to talk about um, how I was it was was constantly just just you know picking up you know the information that he needed learning it adapting uh, and then turned out to be like the best uh, operations director uh, that he's ever had you know that he recommends me To for any job that I apply,
1: Um, you can push it to awesomeness.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like it was the best and most genuine letter, uh, recommendation letter that I've ever had. It's the only one I've ever kept. Um, and then the other envelope uh had uh, like two uh, uh headhunters for for operations directors and their phone their names and their phone numbers he said you know he's like you know do you do these two things and then contact them and uh, they'll get you a job wherever you want to go uh, i ended up actually being hired on by that company uh as like in-house uh, director so uh that was my, my my crazy work story of uh of uh, of uh, bullshitting my way the entire six months being completely outed in the first two, two minutes. And then turned into the, uh, the working that job turned into the best letter of recommendation that I actually
0: have ever had. And the only one I've ever <laughs> kept. So. Nice. All right. Brenna, what do you got?
1: I, everybody knows that if you're listening to this and you follow, I'm bubbly and friendly. And I think Daniel actually informed me <laughs> on the trip that, um, you either love me or you hate me, I guess, (laughs) which I mean, I guess it makes sense, (laughs) but I think most people love me. There's like one or two that hate me. And for whatever valid reason, they just don't like me. Um, but I pride myself in being a personable, lovable person. Oh my gosh. Outside of that, when I travel, I am sorry to say it. I hate people. (laughs) And I'm probably like a bitch, but not like, if you talk to me, I make eye contact. I smile. I'm, polite to all the aid agents and people working and anybody helping me. And like, if, you know, someone asks to sit down, I'm cordial and nice. But for some reason, when I travel, I hate flying. That's why I drive everywhere now. My dad was a pilot for 30 years and I, the anxiety I have when I fly is ridiculous. Like I just, I get sick. I hate it. I sweat. I don't want to pack. I don't want to leave the house. Yeah. When I, I, when I encounter people, it just brings out this like, anger in me and I just think everybody's dumb and they make me mad and so like airports I I just get really furious like with crowds that stand up at the gate when you're like first called to the board and the entire gate clears and stands there and I just look and scowl at people like why are you standing there for no reason so basically if I'm flying and traveling I'm a anxious bitch and shouldn't be around people so that's what people don't know about me I'm really friendly, but you don't want to fly with me, I guess.
0: All right. Good to know. Um, I'll quick, I'll link back to yours quickly. Me and my wife are both pretty big introverts. I can turn my introversion on and off. So like when I'm doing podcasts and interviews and stuff, like I turn it off, I say turn the introversion off, but, uh, I'm super, like I'm on a work trip for two weeks and I, every night I go back to my room and just sit in my room and read or watch a documentary or something or work on some articles from mudburn guide. So. Um, that's kind of related to Brenna's related to Daniel's in my book, ultra OCR man. I mentioned this, but I actually worked, I'm going to use the term internship at Under Armour for about three weeks. And it was similar situation where like the military sends us over there and they'll be like, Hey, they share tips with the uh, civilian world and they'll share tips with you. And it's like, what am I going to teach Under Armour about running a, like running a business? Like this is preposterous. I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, but we went over there and we shared some, um, You know, some of the stuff we'd seen in the military actually applied to Under Armour. And, you know, at the end of the three weeks, they were like five of us that went and they were like super happy with the results and some of the stuff we shared and um, some of the things we pointed out for them. And then actually one of the guys from that five man group uh, retired from the military in the next year and ended up getting a job there and was working as their security. I think I think he's still working as their security over there at the Under Armour campus in Baltimore. So that was pretty cool. But that was a wild experience. Uh, You can read it about in my book, but I mean, I, we were going out every night and I went to, we went to a party at the CEO's house, like George St. Pierre was there. Cam Newton was there. I sat through like a two hour staff meeting with Cam Newton. We went to the bar with Steve Smith from the uh, Carolina Panthers and wide receiver at the time. Um, It was like, I kept meeting all these like famous sports people and I'm not a sports person besides like obstacle course racing. So people would be like, and this is, and they'd name the athlete. and I'd be like, literally means nothing to me like I had no clue who Cam Newton was (laughs) going into people like you got a meeting with Cam Newton and I was like am I supposed to know who that is they're like you don't know who Cam Newton is I was like I don't even know what Sporty plays and they're like oh I was like this is back in 2000 uh, let's see this was 13 This is back in 2013 but so maybe I had less of an excuse to know who he was then but it was a. I don't know, man. Uh, it was, yeah, it's probably still pretty bad. It was an insane experience. Bottom <laughs> line, 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 I met like all these famous <laughs> athletes that I've. I still don't probably don't understand the quite the, uh, quite how lucky I was in that in that situation. But people seem to be excited that I, I kept meeting these people. Not me, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're we're gonna start wrapping things up. And again, um, if anyone wants to pick up my book, Ultra OCR Man, Special Forces Soldier, Record Setting Obstacle Course Racer. It's available hard copy, digital, and now audiobook. So if you have Audible, you can use a credit on that. Someone just sent me a super nice note today. I didn't ask if I could read this. so I'm not going to use his name. Uh, but he just said, sent me an Instagram message. Just wanted to let you know that I really enjoyed your book on Audible. The sleep deprivation stories in the military had me dying. People in the car next to me were probably thought I was a crazy person laughing in my car by myself. On a serious note, I think the book – and then he tells some nice things about me. I'm like – I'm not going to share the rest of it. He said some nice things about me. I don't need to share share some of that. But uh, anyway, he, the point is he enjoyed the book. Check it out. I think it came out really well, obviously. And if you want to hear about OCR America 1, I go through it like day by day in there. And if you want to hear about OCR America 2, you can just go over to Stokeshead and watch the videos, which are phenomenal, which I've been plugging basically as much as I can because he just did such a good job. And I really hope some of the other OCR companies out there hire him because he's, he's next level, right? He, he took... Several hours of footage, you condense it into three minutes that are phenomenal, with no storyline, you know that he can do in advance, and he shot the video, edited it, put the music on, made the story, and published it all within 24 hours for eight days in a row, which is insane. I don't think people understand quite how much work that is. So,
2: I honestly can't imagine like like you doing any other uh, similar event without that. I mean, it's it made following it that much more more real i mean it was you just can't say enough about that coverage i mean um uh it's kind of weird thinking back of like you know ocr1 or even like you know uh the the mills um or even you know probably maybe
0: not wanting that you know endure but <laughs> oh, that would have been great for endure i <laughs> So was funny was Bobby was at that event. I just didn't know who he was and he wasn't shooting video for the event yet. He was just there running. So we were, I mean, we were right I next to each I other. see him running. So, which is kind of funny, but I mean, their, their stuff is just, he's just, he's operating on a different planet in my opinion than every other OCR video uh, website and producer. So I'm really hoping more people start following him. And I think that's the future. I think that's how we really get OCR into bite-sized clips that are interesting to people and they can consume and share. Yes. Get to their friends and stuff. So, because I mean people at yes. work absolutely. I never talk about obstacle course racing at work because I assume it bores the hell out of people, but people at work and uh, you know, they asked me about the 8 day event so I showed them the video and they were like these are really good and they've no interest in obstacle course racing, right? Like I, more people make fun of me at work for obstacle course racing than give me like legitimate props. That's the type of crowd I work with, right? Like, the oh, good. Why don't you go? Why don't you go run to the gym? It's Like, uh, good one, guys. I, I actually will do that later. But, so, yeah. And then, all A-type personalities. That's what you get. People just make fun of you. No one actually gives you credit for, for doing good things. So, or like, I'll, I'll be like, oh, that's a. Uh, that's runnable like yeah it's close it's like right down the street It's runnable and they'll be like oh well runnable for you is like 40 miles and i'll we'll be like ah good one guys good one so yeah
2: it's funny because like uh like uh people at work will be like oh man you're why do you run that's so stupid why do you want to do that and then in, in, in the same breath man i gotta lose some weight <laughs> Like
0: weird, It's weird, how those things yeah, if only there was a connection, if only, connection. I know, like, whoa. <laughs> all right, we've been talking for long enough. final shout outs, Brenan, what do you got?
1: um, well, I don't know when I'll be back on, so exciting, awesome news that I haven't really posted on social media yet. I am very oh, happy, chap. huh, oh yeah, I'm proud <laughs> to say, and shout out to my newest. Um, like ambassador partnerships um, one has helped out and been a partner kind of a um, uh, sponsor of strength and speed podcast i am finally part of the flamboyant gooder family i'm so excited <laughs> so ordered me some new gooder sunglasses today so thank you for that i've only been wearing them for over a year and posting about them every single day um i love the sunglasses so yay for that and shout out to Salmi north American running um, I have joined their ambassador program for some amazing shoes, super stoked because I own like four pairs now, uh, road running, trail running specifically for OCR, found them at Savagery. So yeah, thank you for both of those companies, um, bring me on board to represent officially without just, you know, posting all about them. And yeah, so now I'm part of the team. Very excited. So thank you to those two, Goodr and Salming.
0: All right, Daniel, what do you got?
2: I mean, yeah. You know, uh, I have to go ahead and double down and uh, uh, shout out uh, Amin and and Heba for their uh, awesome, awesome event and bringing me out there and uh, letting me just get a get a taste of that uh, that uh, that amazing trip. I mean, can't can't thank them enough. I mean, it was absolutely awesome, and uh, and even taking care of us the entire time and uh, getting us where we need to go. Uh, Definitely shout out to uh Heba and her husband for you know gracious hosting to their home. And the stories her husband had to tell were awesomely <laughs> insane. <laughs> definitely could talk about that after the podcast. But those are so, so, so interesting as well. Um uh, we can definitely delve dive more into that later, Evan. You some some interesting things you probably want to know too. Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, just a shout out to the whole Hannibal family. I mean, it was, it was such an awesome time to go out there and, uh,
0: and, and, and have that experience. So Awesome. And Blegmit Extremes are in route from Australia back to the U.S. So if you're looking to stock up on get a pair of Blegmit Extremes, I should have them stock soon. Pre-order is now open on the website. So you can reserve your pair on the website starting meow. And then other than that, uh, Daniel, if you saw my live broadcast, you just won a pair of fat grips because you donated to the OCR America oh, giveaway. <laughs> you did right before I had this podcast. I so did congratulations. <laughs> and then I complained because my I was like, this is bullshit. Daniel won again. This this, this stuff's fixed. Everything's fixed here. <laughs> I was like, I'm set up my own contest. I pulled your name out of a hat. It was you, Brian, and Jake, and you won again. So I hit you up afterwards with your address, I'll send you those fat grips. So, all right. We're going to take Probably off. Not, I think not. I've plugged enough companies. We'll catch all of you later and we'll be back for the next episode with Matt Hansen talking about world's toughest mutter and what his plans are. If uh tough mutter is not a thing anymore. And he's got a pretty crazy story, which I had no idea about. Um, really kind of good does. in some of his personal experiences that again, you just would have, you'd look at him and you'd have no clue. So actually kind of got serious. So I was not really expecting that podcast to go that way for a little bit, but, I think it's really good. And if someone is going through some similar troubles, I think it'd be really helpful for them. All right. That's it. We'll catch all of you later. Out. Awesome.